Welcome to the Family Goals Podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. My name is Joel House, and the purpose of this podcast is to encourage you to grow closer to God, to strengthen your marriage, and to inspire your family to reach its highest potential. In this episode, Davey shows his excitement on UGA's championship run, as well as hear from Pastor Jay of the importance of getting down on our knees to pray and strategies to combat sin. Here's the conversation. So one of my habits I've started this year, and this this might seem strange, this might seem small. I like it. But it's getting on my knees every day. And I've struggled with that. And I have, I have an excuse. My excuse is I've had two knee surgeries. So I've you got, can't get on. I've got bad knees. And so yeah. I pray, you know, throughout the day. I, I'll have my prayer plan and sitting down. But God's led me to, to get on my knees. That I'm gonna I'm gonna humble myself, and it's just the act of doing it that I am I'm humbling myself. I'm entering in the throne room. And I talked about yesterday. I'm I'm emptying myself. I'm uh, depending on God so He can fill me. And I think the physical act of just getting on my knees. Now I got a couple pillows, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I got you know I'm a softy man. I'm not you know James the half brother of Jesus. They call him Camel Knees. Because, uh, you know, he was on his knees all the time, and he had some, some tough knees. But uh, By the way, if you haven't read a book of the Bible, James might be the best. James is James is book. one of my favorite. I'm not saying yeah. it's the best, but I'm just like it's as practical of living and mm-hmm. to, to so many things that you go through. If you want to, like, memorize Scripture and be ready to fight your day, like, James is awesome. James is, James is the man. So let's talk about this. I know there's a ton of Georgia football Hold on one second, too, fans. before you get to Georgia football, because I can tell that's, I, you just said that's where you're going. How do you do that, though? How do you quiet your mind? How do, how, do you, how do you receive that from God? How do you make sure that you do that? Like, how, how, does, how do you get ready for that? How, what, is it, what do you say? Like, I think some people are going, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, how do I, how do I accomplish that? Like, I just sit there, and it feels awkward. And I sit there and I don't, I don't know what to say. How do you start that process or how do you get better at that process? Because it's not just the first time I'm sure that you're like, oh, this, I, can t- I can talk to God like I'm a preacher. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably a process, but how do, you, how do you get that going? How do you slow yourself down for that? Well, I think first getting on the knees is, is the physical act of slowing yourself down, humbling yourself. And so I get away from the desk, away from the computer. I have a little chair in my office, so I go down over there. I might bring my Bible with me. Like this morning, I had my Bible open to what I was thinking about and focusing on. But I follow a simple prayer plan, which is the uh, Acts prayer plan. And the first thing is adoration and focusing on God, praising Him. See, the tendency we have with our prayer time is we just bring our list to God. You know, God, bless bless my wife, bless my son, bless my daughter, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I, I try to do the Acts Praise him, focus on him. I focus on names of God. I might read some Bible verses. Just thinking back, I mean, this morning I'm like, thank you, God, for these 12 people who committed their lives to Christ yesterday that, yep. that I got to be a part of it. And then the second thing is confession. Yep. You know, what is the what sins do I need to confess? I, I typically have a lot of sins to confess. Interesting, this morning I, I was studying uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 6. He talks about the eye. The eye is a, uh, a lamp to the body and a light to the body. And if your eyes are healthy, if your eye is healthy, then your whole body be healthy. But if your eye is dark, then your whole body could be dark. 
pretty pretty fascinating. Um, but I was thinking about what we see. That reminds me of if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. That's what. It, yeah, that's another verse. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But I got to thinking about what we see is what we're putting into our bodies, what we're putting into our minds, what we're putting into our hearts. And I think having a healthy eye, it has to do with morality in my mind. I, and we dude. see things so So but probably my biggest struggle with sin is lust and impurities. And I'm constantly trying to keep my eyes from seeing it, from seeing it, yeah. you know? So, so things like uh, Instagram or social media, things will, things will pop up that I don't, you know, it's funny. I talked to my, my sixth grade kids about this the other day. Actually, I talked to the, the, the church when I spoke to the, the, ch- the middle school group and we talked about counterfeit real. Mm-hmm. And I asked the simple question. I said, is social media real or is it counterfeit? And there's 150 kids in the room. Every single one of them said counterfeit. Hmm. And I was like, well, why are they you know. on it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I was like, you, and here's what I said to him. I was like, listen, two, two things I want you to know. I can tell exactly what you're about in your last five posts. That's all I need is five posts. I can tell what you're about. I, I said, but here's my rule. If I see something on social media that causes negativity or causes me to stumble, it might be, I, I have good friends. I have really good friends that I don't follow on social media. And I only have Twitter. That's all I have anyways. But I have the other, but I don't run it. Newsflash. Um, but I'm trying to get Joe to run mine for me. But yeah, we worked on that. It. But you're not, you're not. I well, hate he, social media. I hate it with a passion. Yeah. But so, so I said, like, good, I have, I have good friends. I have really good friends that I just unfollow. If I feel some kind of way that's not of God, if I feel some kind of way that makes me feel jealous, uh, you know, insecure, like um, any kind of way, just, I just don't follow it. And, and that's, I think you control what you follow, right? You control what your mm-hmm. eyes see. You yeah. can't always control that. But I think the older you get, the more you realize that you're like, wait a minute, I'm not going to take that for granted. And when you're younger, you don't think about that near as much. But as you get that wisdom and get older, you're like, yeah, I know better than that. But one thing before I forget, that's why I got a piece of paper while you were talking and wrote it down because things go in and out of my brain really quickly. <laughs> you said prayer. One of the things that I'm starting to do that really, really helps me stay focused with my prayer, and Dr. Merritt showed this to me actually years ago. He's got this unbelievable prayer journal. It's unbelievable. It's really cool. But different days equal different things. Friends are on Monday. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like teammates are on Tuesday. Like leaders of this country are on Wednesday. You know, like leaders at the school are on Wednesday, people that are, in your, are, you know, praying for people of influence around your kids. Like if you want to stay more organized, like follow a prayer schedule of those days. Cause you, cause we do get lost. Like, but, but I try to, you know, whatever I'm going through with my reading and I'm, I try to impart to my kids or try to give it to them a little something. If somebody says something in a group, I'm like, dang, that was really, really good. Like next time I pray with my kids, I'm going to pray that, you know? And, um, but I think, if you get in a little schedule and a little routine, but I, I know one thing, if you have kids um, that are in high school, middle school, elementary school, and you're not praying for their friends, for who they're surrounded by and their leaders of who they're around and for wisdom for them, you're missing out. Like I'd start that now, like whatever age they're at. Like, they, I mean, I, I'm trying to make that more of a priority for the, not, 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 I don't want them to be smart. I want them to be wise. 
I want them to have wisdom. I don't care. I'm not talking about book smart. I'm talking about them seeing people for who they are. Like, I want my kids to be stung. I want my kids to see it. And when they experience it bad and they do it wrong, like get stung, suffer a consequence for that. Like not, not die obviously, but like suffer a consequence. So I just, I, I just think that it's so easy to say, pastor Jay, you're what you're doing but I don't think it's easy for everybody. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I think we can do here is break that down for people and make it more simplistic mm-hmm. and some takeaways that they can say, that makes a lot of sense. Like I can try that. Like you can turn when you get up every morning, you can just turn. I mean, I, I get up after my wife every morning, but I just literally get at, roll out of my bed, turn to my bed, get on my knees and pray. I mean, it's not a hard thing to do. I think we can start that habit and it doesn't have to be acts. It doesn't have to be acknowledge, confess, transgressions, you know, it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be all that stuff. You don't have to do it it perfect. But when you build a habit like that and you acknowledge God, then you confess your sins and then you transgressions and then you ask for supplementation. Like you can, you can give, it gives you a kind of a step-by-step of how to pray and and then search for what, you know, what works for you with a schedule of prayer. And I think you'd be surprised. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I I have a similar plan that you mentioned Dr. Merritt has for different days or different people. And of course, some days, you know, the most important things you pray for every, every day. Yeah. So wife, kids, family, yeah, you know, those kind of things. But then, yeah, friends on different days, churches, different churches on different days, different things on different days. Uh, otherwise, I mean, you can't pray for everybody every. But but every I, day. I also think you lose sight of what you actually prayed for too. I don't know that you always. I don't know that you cover as many things as you do when you when you actually have a little bit of a schedule and mm-hmm. you're like oh I did that I did that the other day not too long ago and it was six six weeks ago because our track of time is like Wew, it's my track of time maybe I need to say that like you might be a lot better than I am but um, well the other thing about writing them down or, or keeping a journal is you can look back and see how God's mm-hmm. answered these prayers and one of the things I don't know if you remember when we did the draw the circle with uh, Mark Batterson for yeah. 40 days of prayer. And, and his, his thing was circling your prayers and drawing circles around them. And, uh, and so I just might write, like, like Jolyn's name. And um, Jolyn knows this, but my, num- my number one prayer request for Jolyn is, is a wife. wife. <laughs> a soulmate. But so I've got Jolyn, you know, life partner, soulmate, and I've just got that circled, and then I'll go back in my journal. I just keep circling. I keep praying it and keep trusting God. Because some things you just keep praying o- over and over again and being persistent um, with your prayers. And so um, circling them and claiming verses, you know, Bible putting Bible promises that, that go along with it. So that's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's fun. We never know where we're going. We don't know where we we're get going. We get there. Yeah, there's interesting, though, about getting back to the eyes and what, what you see and what you put into your body. Because I'll have guys, this is a constant struggle for me. People will be telling me, like, TV shows that they watch or, or whatever, and I started sort of watch a TV show. And it's like, I can't watch that show that somebody else is watching because I, I have a strong conviction about being a pure and holy vessel. And there's just something, I just can't see things and hear things that just... It quenches the Holy Spirit. And now that I'm always perfect, I mean, I watch things that I, that I, that yeah. I shouldn't be watching, but it is a struggle. But isn't it, it amazing it how you also, and, and I, I believe this to be true, in my life it's been true, but when I watch more of it and more of it and more of it and more of it, I get used to it. 
And it doesn't, like, I, I remember there are stages in my life where I would watch shows and I'd hear curse words and it just turned me off so bad and it pissed me off. And I was just like, all right, I gotta, I gotta go a different direction. Like, I can't, I physically, we left, me and Lindsay left movies before because it's just so much mm-hmm. cursing. Um, so much, it just annoys you. And then, but if you allow yourself to watch that stuff more and more and all the time, then you kind of get accustomed to it. It you doesn't get, bother you much. You get desensitized mm-hmm. to sin. And, that, and that's what's happened to Christians in America. Yep. We are getting desensitized to sin because we, we're around it all the time. It's, it's, becoming, it's becoming normal. Several years ago, uh, Jennifer and I took a group to Brazil on a mission trip. And in Brazil, like on the on the cover of like magazines, like you're walking down the street and they have like a like a magazine stand, there there would be like nude women on magazines, like a normal like a normal like a Sports Illustrated magazine, or you know they have different covers down there than we have here. Apparently, and then also I've seen that in the, also the like commer- uh, commercials. You might have like a, a topless lady riding a horse on a commercial. Oh wow! And I remember talking to the folks down there. I was like, I can't believe y'all have. You know, nudity in commercials and nudity on the front of these magazines and people were just walking down the street and they were like, we don't have that. What, what, are you, what are you talking about? But they had been so immersed in it. In their minds, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't nudity. It wasn't bad. It's just the body. You know, and maybe, maybe for us, we're thinking the same thing with if it's, you know, swimsuits or lingerie or yep. whatever. But to, to me, it's... Uh, I got a quick story to that, by the way. So my buddy... For the sake of this story, we'll call him Russ. My buddy Russ, and for the sake of the story, we'll call his wife Shelly. Um, Is that really the Russ name? And Shelley, Shelley. Russ and Shelly were in France. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just using names. You guys don't don't draw conclusions from yeah, this. I'm just, I think I'm... For the sake of the story, it's Russ and Shelly. So they go to France, and um, Shelly picks a show to go to. And it's supposed to be a really, really good show. And Russ, you know, Russ and Shelly go to the show. And um, sit down, and um, I think he told. I think she told him, like, "Hey, there might be a little bit of nudity, but it says, you know, kind of classy, whatever." And um, they said they came out, and it was literally just topless galore. I mean, <laughs> topless galore. And and Shelly literally like leans over and was like, "Russ, stop that! You know, close close your eyes." He's like, "What do you what do you what do you want me to do? Like, you brought me to a show. I'm I'm just watching the show. The like, show you brought me to. Yes, and." He, she was like, no, no, you, you stop that. Don't look at that. Um, but it was, again, it was normal yeah. to them. It was absolutely normal. Like, that's not a, that wasn't even like, you know, we'll, we'll have like new, adult content, graphic nudity or whatever. And, and that wasn't even, it was like, nah, that wasn't one of the worst ones. And it was just, it was a good bit of it. So, you know, those are just. Well, that's when you abort. <laughs> yeah, that's, you might pull the ripcord there and take off. I think they, I think they took in the show. I'm not sure though, but. Yeah. I don't know. If that was. It's unique friends, though. It's good friends. It's, it's a good choice, wifey. Yeah. Good choice. Whatever. We're definitely all over the place today. Well, to bring it back. It's a good I, thing, though. <laughs> like, it, it was honestly really good for me to hear you say, like, you struggle with lust. Like, honestly. Like, growing up is like, I look at you as, like, literally perfect role model. And, like, I never in a million years would I think is like you would. But, like, everyone struggles with it. So, that was good for me to hear as someone who's, like, grown up and struggled with that as well. So, like. For a whole bunch of people, I think that was cool. It's I agree. It's got to be. Agree. It's got to be every man's struggle. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be. You know, Paul talks about the thorn in, in the flesh. flesh, and uh, to me, that's kind of my thorn in my. In my so that's my constant, like first confession every day. And uh, God's grace is sufficient for us. 
you have any tech? You have any techniques that help you with that? I learned one in Cincinnati that I think I, I learned it from my chaplain in Cincinnati, and I've taught my friends from in, in small group, and they said they do it. It's hilarious to hear them, but like I'd run out of the tunnel, you know, in Bengals uniform. Go, to, you got the cheerleaders right there forming the tunnel, and um, as soon as I see something like that, I use the bounce technique. I just bounce my eyes to the heavens, like I bounce straight mm. up, and I'm like, nope, like don't not not, not double take. Not soak it in. Like, as soon as I see it right from the jump, I don't stare. I don't look at it again. I look and I bounce. I get my eyes and I get my I eyes like on something that. else. That's, I like the bounce. That's, that hel- it helps me. I, I, don't know, um, I don't know if it'll work for everybody, but it's literally like I, I'm just – it helps me focus right away and get my eyes off of what I don't need to have my eyes on. I can't remember the theologian. I think it, it might have been Martin Luther. Uh, but he said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. And I think that's the thing, like, in, in the world we live in, you, like, something's going to pop up on TV or you're going to see something. It'll but, find you. But you you don't have to dwell on it. You don't have to think about it. Um, you can move on. I like that. That's bounce. Bounce. It's the chin up, chin up technique. Is that what it's called? Chin up. Chin up? Yeah. Is that you just making I, I, up? No, I was, at, I was at Look Up Lodge. <laughs> I was at Look Up Lodge, and there's some, like, older high school guys like Garrett and maybe – like Austin Meadows and some of these guys, and they taught us the chin-up technique. And it's like if you catch one of your buddies checking out a girl, you would punch him in the shoulder and say, chin up. I like that. And I was in sixth grade or seventh grade when I heard that. <laughs> and we were all just like nailing each other. <laughs> yeah. 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 In the dorm room. So you mentioned the Bengals. Let's talk a little bit about my boy, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Hold on. Hold Bengals. on. No, 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 no. Are we almost done? Because if we're almost done, we're going to talk about Georgia. We're not almost done. Okay, well, I'm just I saying. I mean, let's get Let's in. handle the Georgia fart, part, fart, fart. Fart. Let's handle the <laughs> Georgia part first. Like, we can talk about my bangles. My bangles, it's by the way, it's not your bangles. It's your boy, I Is know. It but bangles or bangles? It's bangles. That's okay. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about Georgia first. First time in 41 years. You're talking years. about the, uh, the old girl band, the bangles. I don't know that one. Walk I'm not, like I'm not a, old enough. Walk He's like too an old. Egyptian? Sorry, no. I, don't, I don't remember that You don't that remember one, that? I wasn't born yet, probably, but. How about Georgia, bro? Okay, let's talk about Georgia. I mean, we'll, we'll go there. That's what first. your congregation wants to hear. That's they want to hear what about they your sorry hear. LSU Tigers. Yesterday, the first service, I didn't even mention it, and people were like, "Well, we had a snow day when everybody was going to wear their jerseys That's and true. celebrate." And so flipping we amazing, a, bro. We had a little so. So let's talk about it. It was amazing. It it was cool because you know after Ringo got that pick six, and it was like because listen, as Georgia fans, you're conditioned right. to it, it will go wrong. Like you're 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 just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, when he got that pick six, I, I I walked behind the Georgia bench. I was on the sidelines, and I walked behind the Georgia bench, and I swear to goodness, four out of every ten people were crying. And it was one of the coolest scenes I've ever seen in my life. Just like you talk about – and it's so – I mean, you know, Claxton Pilgrim is in there with Drew Pilgrim, with with uh, with Big Big, his, his, Drew's mom. Like, that Drew's been with, to games with her for forever, and then Claxton's been to games forever. AA's there, like – so much family time and family um, money and energy and um, passion poured into like a fan base every single year. And you, mm-hmm. this is our year. This is our year. And then, you know, and I could list, I don't know how many years in the last 40 years, I could give you 10 to 15 chances where it was all so close. And then I think to finally realize it and to see the emotion and it was, it was surreal, man. It was really, really, really cool. Um, you know, something that I'll never forget. And I'm so thankful that, you know, Nicholas is there, Lee is there, my wife is there. And that's 
I, I just, I love creating memories with my family that I know they'll never forget. Like Nicholas will never forget where he was when that happened. Leah will never forget in his life where, or where she was when that happened. I will never forget that Nicholas was standing next to me on the sidelines. Like, and he gave the Nicholas two claps and smiled. That's it. Like that's, that's Nicholas. But, um, it was just, it was awesome, man. I mean, just 41 years is a long drought. Like, again, I wasn't alive, yeah. Pastor Jay, when, when they won a championship. That's crazy to think about. And, and people, the generations of people and passion was crazy. It was crazy. I'm so happy for you guys. Happy for all the Georgia fans. Happy for, I'm glad you were on the sidelines. I'm glad your son was on the sidelines. It was cool to see you do the coin you. toss. Yeah, that oh, was cool. Yeah. I wasn't Man. expecting that. I saw you, and I freaked out. You were like an honorary yeah. captain. That was awesome. Bro, let me tell you something. I haven't wanted to put on pads. Dude, when you were walking out, <laughs> I, when you were walking out, I saw your face like, I think Pollock thinks he's playing. Well, you've seen me. You've seen how competitive I am in just church basketball. So you know I have a competitive problem. But I don't, I don't get – I'm always on the sidelines, but I'm never in huddles. And I'm never around, like, the guys. I'm on the mm-hmm. sideline talking to my buddies. And, 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 dude, we went out there for the toss – and I just forgot as a captain, too, like you stare at each other and you give them that look and you're like, yeah, I'm about to rip your head off. Yeah. Like, and you're going to like it. Who was the other honorary captain? I don't even know. I should. <laughs> I have no clue. So I thought maybe you two were going to like throw down. I was something. in. He I was, was ready. I was, <laughs> David was ready. I'm My just telling you. on you. But, but I was like, well, you. I think he's an active NFL player. Oh. I do think he was an active NFL player. I think it was Ryan Kelly. I think he's an active NFL player for the Colts. So, um, you know, you might want to save your money there because he's playing in the NFL he now. A, he was a big dude. Yeah. But, uh, but the, you know, Will Anderson looking at Zeus and, you know, um, God, who else was out there? Evan Neal from Alabama, just enormous. And they were just frothing at the mouth. Like, and I, and I literally was looking at him. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, I could absolutely play right now. I don't know how many plays I got. I'm, I might only have 20 or 30. Too, but uh, but uh, it was it was cool. It was it was really cool. That, the whole weekend was was a blast. That's for us. awesome. Yeah. Well, someone was asking me the other night. They said somebody interviewed you or something, and or you were walking off the field, and I, I don't know what this the story was, but they said they they saw a tear in your eye. Yeah, people were asking me like, was was Pollock crying? Is he, was he like emotional? I don't cry. There was onions on the sidelines. I think <laughs> something like that. I mean, I I, I just when, if I see people emotional. It's, it's over. Like, especially if I see, like, my kids or family members or people that I know, like, like Drew and them, seeing them, like, oh, it's, it's over. Phil Nichols, my buddy Phil, who's been a lifelong Georgia fan, goes to every game, tailgates every game, like, eats, sleeps, breathes, dies Georgia. And I ran, I ran down there after the interception and went to see them, and they were just boo-hooing, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, yeah, no shot, <laughs> no shot, no shot to keep that in, but – Listen, you know what it is. You've, you've experienced championships at LSU. Like, th- that's what's crazy. LSU, you know, Auburn, like Florida, Alabama, all Tennessee, all the success that they've had. Like, and Georgia hadn't won a championship. Georgia's been better than yeah. most of those teams most years, but have just found a way not to do it. So I think it made it. I, I was sitting back in the green room in the third quarter, and that's where all of us are, you know, Dan Mullen and – Fickle and all of us all that did the shows, all of us in the back. And I'm like, listen, I don't need a, a dynasty. I don't need Alabama's run. I don't need five you of the next seven. I just want one. <laughs> That's all I was saying. I was literally like, I just want one. I, I'm, I'm moaning like a little baby. I'm like, yeah. Palmer was back there. I'm like, I don't need a run. I don't need a dynasty. God, just give us one and we'll go away. Not for 40 years, hopefully, yeah. but like 10. 
we'll go away for ten. Like just, just one, please, just one. And then it wow. happened, and it was it was crazy. Well, the other thing that people keep talking to me about is they're like, Pollock picked it. Like Pollock picked, they predicted it. Predicted that was the luckiest Alabama to win the SEC, and then Georgia to win. I mean, before the season started. Before so the what, season. What was done. your thinking there? Everybody's thinking like Alabama, like the SEC championship was thrown. You know. Oh, stop it. <laughs> you, you, what I here's the deal. Like, but the night before, I'm just thinking about a champion. I, I'm like, Oklahoma might win this thing. I had no clue. I had no clue. I didn't know Georgia was going to win it. But I said Georgia plays Clemson week one. Clemson's always good, so I was wrong because Clemson wasn't as good as they've been. Um, Georgia beats Clemson. They got the tiebreaker. You know, Georgia runs the table with their schedule because I thought their schedule was set up pretty well for them. Lose to Alabama, you're still in. Like, you're still in the college football playoff. And what better way to cleanse your demons and, like, beat Alabama than to, to beat them in the championship? So. Well, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So you, you predicted it. You picked it. I need and, a lottery uh, ticket. That's Anytime Nick Saban and Alabama get beat, it's a great day. And I've For all the world church. almost. And, all the, yeah, of course, we have a lot of Alabama fans. and But I say, look, y'all have won it so many times. Y'all, don't even, y'all, y'all, you know? y'all can go in your closet and go, which year or T-shirt do I want to wear for a championship? Okay? <laughs> I don't have a championship T-shirt yeah. in my closet. So yeah. Do you have you, one now? Uh, not yet, one? but I'm going to. Yeah. But I'll have one now. So, Bama fans, you can still pick between your four or five yeah. in the last seven – or six, excuse me, in the last 12 years or whatever, and we'll just go with – 2021. It's it's pretty yeah, solid. It was your year, and now and now people are excited about next year. I don't care about next year. You're not even worried about. <laughs> By the it. way, somebody's already asked me like, "What do you think about next year?" I don't give a crap. I don't yeah. care. Like, look, this is we got to wait a while before we start discussing next year. There's a lot of holes to be filled, but the Stetson Bennett story, by the way, is is about as magical as it gets. You talk about a guy betting on himself and never doubting himself. Like, listen, I, I can tell you for a fact, I know this. One of the offensive coaches sat Stetson Bennett down before the season started in August and said, bro, you're third or fourth on the depth chart. You're not going to play. I just want you to know now. Think about that. Yeah. And like, he, did, he didn't give up? Wow. No. Like, he's – so you got, you know, JT Daniel, five-star. Carson Beck, four-star. Uh, Brock Vandergriff, five-star. Well, they're getting all the reps. You know, little 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 Stetsons over there in the corner, like, hey, it's cool, guys. Hey, I'm, you know, I love the team. Go team. I mean, barely getting any reps. Um, so you basically ripped the confidence completely out of this kid, and then he comes in. But what happens? And this is this is the lesson for me. This is the lesson for everybody who's listening. What happens? Somebody got hurt. He's still not the next guy to them in their eyes. They know their their future's not Stetson. But why do they go with Stetson? Because they trust him. If you're trusted, people go with you. Like, they knew, they knew he would come in and know the offense because he knew the offense the year before got experience, not mess it up, do what he's supposed to do. He was a steady Eddie. He had a calming influence. So they put him in there, and then all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. That looks good. That looks good. Well, JT will be back in a couple weeks. Oh, that looks good. That looks good. Wait a minute. JT's back. Yeah, we're going to keep this kid in there. And then you go on and win a championship. Like, I just, I think it's a great lesson for all of us. Like, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, be where you are. Do what you're doing. Do it great. But if you're trusted, people are going to look at you at some point in your job and go, I'm buying it. Like, come here, help me. Help me out. Like, 
it's just it's it's a great story. Like confidence, betting on himself. Like I don't know if you, everybody knows the whole story. He had zero offers from from yeah, Power know, Fives. I don't, I don't know the story. Okay, so zero offers from Power Fives. None. Um, walks on at Georgia. He's Baker Mayfield for the Rose Bowl, running around, scrambling around. Um, uh, like on scout team. Scout team, yeah. yeah. And everybody loved him. Well, he transfers to a JUCO because he just wants to go play. He goes to JUCO. Well, Kirby knows what he meant to the scout team. Kirby knows he kind of had a little something-something to him. Offers him a scholarship to come back. He was a diehard Georgia fan growing up. Like, okay. since he was two years old, you, you can see all the pictures. He's got all the gear, all that stuff. Offers him a scholarship to come back, run the scout team, loves the dogs, knows he's probably not going to play ever again. Like, gives him a scholarship. Now he's on the team. He, he, he comes back because he loves Georgia. And then all of a sudden, all craziness happens. And you think about from Fields. We can go down the list of Vandergriff, all, like to Vandergriff all the way this year, JT Daniels, Jamie Newman. By the way, all of these, Dwan Mathis. Like, all of these guys that were there through, the, through this whole thing, and he ends up being the guy to break the 41-year the drought and lead Georgia to a national title. Like, that's flipping cool, bro. Yeah, that's a story. I love that. How big is Stetson Bennett? Not you big. stood next to him, haven't no. you? Uh, Nicholas is almost as big as him. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Nicholas is in what, seventh? Nicholas is in seventh grade. I got a, I got a picture with him. In, uh, so he's not six foot. Oh, God, no. No, he's not six foot. Does people say he's six feet? Is he listed at six feet or something? I don't know what he's. He's probably like 5'11". Or... Dude, my phone. Would you stop that? That'd be great. See, I was trying not to touch my phone, by the way. While you were talking, I was trying to be a... He's listed at 5'11". Okay, so he's not, obviously. Yeah. Let's see. Probably like 185 or something. Um, there's Nicholas. You know, Nicholas. There's Nick, Nicholas oh, next yeah. to him. You know, I'm 6'3 and change, so he's he's 5'10", five, he's 5'11". Five, 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 yeah. Okay. And JT's got, what, four inches on him and No, JT's, JT's not a big kid either, but... He says he's 6'3". Uh, Beck no. is 6'4". JT might be 6'3 in heels. He's not 6'3 total, but... <laughs> Where'd they list you at when you played at Georgia? You like uh, I, I don't six, know. seven or something? Really, really, <laughs> really large. I know that. I was, I was storing weight, that's for sure. So we're starting this new work in Milton, and I go up there the first time. They're having this little meet and greet at somebody's house, and, and they had watched the, um, our interview with Foxworthy. Yeah. And uh, this lady comes up to me. She says, hey, uh, I na- we named our dog Pollock. <laughs> I bet that dog's a pain in the butt. I, <laughs> I bet that dog and I sucks. Said, I said, you named him after Davey? And they're like, yeah, we're huge Georgia fans. No way. And, uh, and so I thought, is that a compliment or is this a positive or negative that somebody's named their dog after you? <laughs> I, I guarantee the dog's an absolute pain in the neck. But speaking of speaking of Foxworthy, I'm yeah, te- I was going to ask you if, if he so was I'm, excited. I'm texting Jeff all through the week, and he's like, "I don't think I'm going to go. My buddies don't want to spend the money for tickets." I'm like, "What is wrong with you?" I said, "We're about to win our first championship in 41 years, and you're going to watch it on TV." I was like. Shut up, you're rich. Go buy tickets. <laughs> and I said, if your friends need tickets, go buy tickets for your friends and bring them to the game. And then I saw him, and he did some TV, um, you know, a little bit before, but I saw him the day before. No, I saw him the day of. Um, and he was just, he, he, was, he was ready, he was nervous, and I was like, we're about to win. Like, it's, it's happening, bro. It's coming. 
And uh, and then it happened, and he was just he was in tears. He was texting me. He was in tears. He and, was excited about. Oh, it. I was and thinking Jay, about him. Jay, I love it. Jay was there, um, and then a couple of his buddies were there. I met his buddies, but um, he was like, "Dude, I just." He, and he texted me the next three or four days. He was texting me all the montages that were going out. Like, if you haven't seen the twenty five shots of Ringo, twenty five videos of Ringo's interception, it's really cool. It's twenty five different angles in the stadium. Oh, wow! But it's the reactions, and and it all ends the same. Like people are crying, grown yeah. people crying. Ha! Ah! The, yeah. the cameras jumping up and down from their from their videos. It's nuts how um, how much it meant, and all of them were so so similar. Like, but it was in the nosebleeds. It was in the lower level. It was in the right side of the stadium. It was on the Bama side. It was. Were there more Georgia fans there than Alabama fans? Oh, it was seventy thirty. Okay. Yeah, it was a the, it was a different shade of red that had taken. But Georgia over. was anticipating winning. Well, I think I think Georgia. You know, listen, I think you're just excited to be there. You know, I think you're just so jacked up. The SEC championship game was no different. I mean, you know, Bama's, you know, you got to pick your orange bowl. You got to pick your they're cotton just bowl. To it. And they're kind of used to yeah. it. And I think – and the city was taken over by Georgia fans. Like, Georgia fans own the city. Um, and I thought when we got to the game it might change a little bit. But at Bama fans, think about it. Like, they're so used to going to different spots. They'd probably go, I'll just go the day before. You know, I'll go the day of. I mean, I, I don't think they were – you know, they, I think they were kind of used to the the sights, the sound. Mm-hmm. Georgia fans are like, this is this is cool. Um, but, I mean, you think about Kirby and his run. Like, he finished 2-5-5-1. Five, five, like, dude's had a heck of a run from his, four of his last five seasons. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty impressive. And, and, and the narrative, too, with the, you know, he, I think he gets it a little bit more, too, because he was a Georgia guy. You know, like, he care, it care, he cares even more. He destroyed me after the game. Like, he, he, he came, once he came out of celebrating, he, he hit me so hard. He, like, I was a wide receiver coming over the middle when he was playing safety. <laughs> he hit me into Nicholas. Nicholas face first into the ground. It was awesome. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, but, like, you could just – and then he ran around the stadium and was so jacked up and so uh, excited. But it was – it was cool, man. Was, again, People talk about how high he jumped when the pick six. He got up. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you, Pastor Jay's not watching any of these videos, or nah, I haven't not, seen any. He's of not it. paying attention um, to any of this. He, he's an LSU guy. Remember that. Hey, you mentioned Foxworthy. I want let's. I've had so many people at our church and so many people that listen to this podcast talk about when we interviewed Foxworthy and how impactful, like the. The wisdom that, that he was sharing, people couldn't believe it. They're like, they really, he really impacted a lot of people. He lives it, man. Yeah, he lives it. He's um, he's been doing it for a long time. I had a Bible study with him in Atlanta when I was when Nicholas was just born, so 12, 13 years ago. We had a Bible study. Tim Cash actually he was a Braves team chaplain at the time, but it was him and Ernie Johnson and Smoltz and a bunch of the guys were in there and. Jeff and Ernie were both always super impressive. Just, you could feel it. It was real. It was authentic. And then, you know, it's, again, he's so good at articulating it. Like, that's the, not all of us can get it from head to, trust me, not all of us can get it from head out or heart out. And he did a good job of conveying it and talking about not having a dad. Like, that's powerful, I think, for a lot of people because a lot of people need to hear that message. That's, what an excuse for Jeff. He wasn't going to use that as an excuse. He was going to go get it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. That was one of the things that impacted me the most, that he he was, instead of using that as an excuse, he completely changed the legacy 
And he and his brother, too, as he mentioned, he mentioned yeah. his brother, that they're both still married and they're pouring their lives and their kids. And then he talked about having the, the grandchild and um, incredibly. Yeah, he was talking about know. that with because me and Tebow were going to the set and he was talking about that as soon, when he talked to Tebow and he was just talking to Tebow about And that's one of the first things he talked about was his grandbaby again. Like, you could tell he has so much happiness and pride. He's like, I just didn't know I could love something that much. And he's like, yeah, it's crazy. Thank you for listening to this week's Family Goals podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. It is so crucial to get away and to be still with God. Just the act of getting down on our knees is a way of helping us slow down. A key application for this podcast is the Acts prayer plan. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So the next time you don't know how to pray or where to start, go with the Acts prayer plan. When I'm fighting sin and get tempted, I love to fight that sin with scripture. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to stomp on Satan's head with God's word. Psalm 119, 9, 9 and 11 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I would encourage you to have some sort of scripture, something to turn to, whether it's this or another verse, something to turn to when you are tempted. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week.